you guys watch the uh, Smokey Robinson video I sent you? Oh my God! When I was got, that from? I got a few seconds in, but I couldn't. That wasn't from 2020, was it? Gang banging. Gang. <laughs> I think it was from probably the early 20, 2000s. I was talking to my friend Tim about this. Like, is anybody even banging anymore? Like, aren't we all a little just too demoralized to even really be in gangs anymore? Man, nobody's throwing sets up anymore. Everybody's just like, man, what's the point? <laughs> well, there were... Um, June brought everybody together. In June, uh, all the gangs... Uh, remember, there was a big uh, iconic picture of them all, of like six different Chicago gangs <laughs> holding uh, a sign that's together that said, like, abolish the police or something, which I'm sure is a... Sta- is a, um, is a firm... Uh, belief they've had for a very long time <laughs> gangs were that's true the OG gangs were, abolitionists yes gangs were on the bleeding edge of defunding the police <laughs> By, uh, yeah that say the least <laughs> yeah um, that's that's pretty interesting they called an armistice you're right though tom uh they were too demoralized to be throwing sets up anymore. I, I wonder if that song in that video was more of a comp. I mean, imagine if it was made just a few years ago. Then it really would be like this piece of brilliant outsider art. Like a sort of commentary <laughs> on how old people turn into like, down with dope, up with hope. Pull like, your pants up. Like, <laughs> like Smokey Robinson thinks that like gangbanging is like the number one issue on the ballot this November. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Meanwhile, which the truth is, like, if you even like, you know, know any Bloods or Crips, it's like not at all like we've been sold. It is. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Just in dealing with guys like that we know through like they're locked up. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. The last big gang scare I remember is MS-13. Seems like they haven't been able to do one since then, you know? Yeah, that that one didn't really hold as well. Now it would. Now, like, if they would have launched MS-13 today, Antifa, we wouldn't even be talking about Antifa. It's got to be... You're right. It was the pre-Antifa, like, boogeyman, right? It was... um, And I remember when we were working on that prison stuff, we would find people who'd be like... Hell yeah, I don't want a prison here. And we'd be like, hell yeah, all right. And then they'd be like, because I don't want MS-13 coming here. And we'd be like, oh. Truly. That's the first time I heard that was from, like, uh, NIMBY motherfuckers scared that a gang was going to set up in Letcher County. (laughs) I was just like, MS what? I thought it was when that when Okay, honest to God, the first time someone said that to us, I thought they were talking about a disease, some kind of a disease that we were going to get because of the prison. And I was like, wait, what? It kind of yeah. sounds like COVID-19. Doesn't yeah. It? Wait I a was... second, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. You imagine, yeah, MS-13 sets up like neons their turf. <laughs> they I mean, set up the, old, and... the old neon... In the doll hairs. The old neon doll hairs would be a perfect headquarters for um, <laughs> some, <laughs> some uh, what did what did Terrence used to say we were going to have? What? Um, what our Tribulus headquarters was going to be? An organized crime outfit? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be funny that after the decline of coal... MS-13 moves in and starts employing people. It's like, you can either learn to code, or you can go be a runner for MS-13. The choice is easy. Right, right. Well, um, so anyways, welcome to the show, everybody. September 17th, Thursday. We've got a lot to talk about today, Um, but let's just go ahead and get this one out of the way. Um, Amy McGrath, uh, just doing excellent, so- soaring above the above the competition, and by that I mean Mitch McConnell has a fifteen point lead over her at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Two months out, she pulls out the biggest, the biggest uh, weapon in her arsenal. That's her involvement in nine eleven or not involvement. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you know how they've turned that on her? Have you heard the Mitch McConnell ads about that? No. What are they saying? They have flipped that on her head already. They are. They have turned like. Because they know that people are only going to barely remember any of that. And the the morsels here are just Amy McGrath and 9-11. So they flipped it to be <laughs> that um, she called the day Trump got elected worse than 9-11. <laughs> and they've got recording of her saying that the, uh, like, the day that Trump got elected, she can't even describe the feeling. The closest feeling that she's ever had to that was 9-11. Um, that's because she probably quite literally shot down Flight 93 over Shanksville, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Yeah, she had a she had a surgeon's hand about 9/11 by God. <laughs> a surgeon's. <laughs> she was she was ready to go. Um, yeah, she put out an ad that you you had a funny tweet about Tom. Um, if I did do it, uh, parentheses 9/11 by Lieutenant Colonel Amy McGrath, Simon and Schuster. Um, you want to listen to this ad real quick? It was 9-11. The White House was deciding whether to shoot down a hijacked airliner. I was in an F-18 waiting at the end of a runway in case that horrific order came. I'm Amy McGrath. Now Mitch McConnell is attacking me over 9-11. I swore an oath to protect our country. Mitch McConnell got out of military service, and he's done nothing but sell us out ever since. Ooh. Wow. Uh, he's going to attack me over 9-11? Well, guess what? I was ready to do it. I was ready to do 9-11. <laughs> I, was bas- I was basically an Al-Qaeda. <laughs> Look, dude, some of that some of that stuff is um I was hanging out with our dear friends Matt and Carrie last night and me and Nicole were and we kind of went down the rabbit hole and like you know, I don't know, man. I I I think that a a very funny um idea so there's either two things that happened on flight 93. One is that Amy McGrath shot it down, right? <laughs> I mean, like that, 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 there, we do know there was a shoot down order, wasn't there? Didn't Cheney and Bush like issue a shoot down order at some point? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. No, I think it's, I, yeah, I can't remember how it went. I just remember the weird thing about Flight 93 is it's the one thing nobody ever talks about. And I've spent the better part of the last 19 years thinking <laughs> in the, in the quiet moments. What happened to Flight 93? Why is nobody talking about it? And then Amy's ad really shed some new light on it. I thought the I thought that was the plane that um, they told the story that people overtook the plane and it landed. They like That's the one. landed. Yeah. Yeah. It landed. Okay. All right. <laughs> no. 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 Check this out. Flight 93 landed in a field outside of Shakesville, Pennsylvania, and there was like nothing left of it. Again, Not even the fucking fat black box. Oh, but, but, but listen to this. Landed's doing a lot of work there. Okay, listen fine. to this. They didn't find the fucking black box, but they found two passports. They found two passports from what? two of the terrorists. No. In a field. Oh my god. Oh. Dude. <laughs> and the, the black box right is supposed to be like encased in like this indestructible shit under that can withstand the worst circumstances. And a flimsy ass passport is literal paper. <laughs> so here's my. You know how they made a. They made a movie about this that you know that was. Um, oh, it's called to, Flight 93, wasn't it? I, I think so. How am I, I just hearing this? I guess I was a kid and I just like glazed over and every every year since on 9-11, I just t- tuned it out. I got a question though. Just time out. Isn't it f- kind of funny like a movie about the most boring detail of 9-11 got <laughs> green lighted to have a movie made about it? It makes sense. Look, it, it, I okay. was thinking about this. As propaganda, it is it is perfect propaganda, because what it says is it 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 tells the story that Americans aren't entirely helpless. That at the last moment we did. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It uh, is. A, you're right. You're right. It is like a feel good story. So here's here's what if, I think. if if by feel good story it ends with <laughs> everybody <laughs> dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So but the, but the story is that. The brave people on the flight took it over and crashed it to save the Pentagon or something. 
That's exactly right. Okay, yes, yeah. yes, that's exactly right. But here's here's what I think. Um, I would like to see a film about Flight 93 where the crew, it, it's got a big, like, sort of sixth sense twist at the end. You know what I mean? Like a M. Night Shyamalan type twist at the end. And the twist is that as they're trying to overpower the terrorists, they realize that the terrorists aren't actually jihadi terrorists. They're like Hungarian mercenaries or something like that who have been hired by this. The CIA French Foreign Legion. The French Foreign Legion. <laughs> Legionnaires. <laughs> Just a plane full of legionnaires. I must take down this plane you do not understand. And like the people in the plane. <laughs> the people on the plane have this moment where they realize that America isn't all that it is. And then everybody dies and the secret goes with it. Nobody knows anything about what happened. It's Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> You could you could riff forever on what happened on Flight 93. Like you could make a million different art films about like different characters that were, you know what I mean? Yeah, my family is getting paid two of million dollars. <laughs> I'm press this plane. I can't take it. It's Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of trying to take the plane down, it's just trying to fuck everybody on the plane. Yeah, it, it smells oh real bad. Yeah, oh you in, in seat 9A come to the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, anyways, I don't think nobody took that fucking plane down except Amy McGrath. There's one person that took that fucking plane down, and it was Amy McGrath. Okay, here's what I here's all I want to say here. It's like, look. If everybody aboard's gonna die regardless, you know what I mean? Right. Like, maybe the thing to have done was just to let it go to the White House and see what had happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> that would have shook things up a little bit. Well, the funny thing is, is they don't know where the fuck it was going. It could have been going to Whitesburg for all we know, you know? <laughs> sure. That's coming true. Was the, it coming for the Veterans Museum? Was it leaving <laughs> Philadelphia? Is that right? I don't remember. Uh, maybe, um, maybe Washington. Two of them left from Boston. One from Washington. I don't know where Flight ninety three came from. Okay. Um. Anyways. Anyways, man. Um, some so, holes in our research. Some yeah, but so anyways, though the larger story here is that McGrath is currently sitting fifteen points below Mitch. <laughs> I don't want to say I told the you so, but. I believe there is a soundbite of me on this self-same program saying that there's not a chance she gets within 10 points of Mitch McConnell. I think you're right, Tom. And for all those that say, well, you you know, if you fuckers wouldn't have uh, talked about, like, uh, her pissing her pants and whatever else, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> she might have... She might have had a chance to win the uh, this U.S. Senate seat. And uh, to that I say, look at that goddamn haircut of hers. <laughs> She's not ready for the show. I know. Remember when the tweet went around that uh, calling this, like, disheveled picture of... Uh, Bieber. That, yeah, of Bieber. Justin Bieber, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but... We did, as we tend to do, as the Truebillies Crystal Ball Index remains virtually undefeated. I'm building a whole tarot career off of it. Yeah, all we, all right. we do is predict the future. That's right. Uh, it ain't it I, ain't good, but we'll tell you. No, it's, somebody's going to accuse us of manifesting at a certain point, though. True. Well, That's true. I do have they're that power, too. My bad. They're going to say to us, well, listen, it's not that you're all predicting the future. It's because you're manifesting you're bad bringing things it in. Yeah, they love the word manifest. It's a big one these days. I can't wait till there's a radio ad. They manifested 9-11. <laughs> Tom Sexton, yeah, the guy that, yeah, I manifested 9-11. I got he locked out of... nine years old. Yeah, I was, I was 13, but whatever. <laughs> Um, so anyways, on to the next news item. Tom, you said that Trump is attempting to move to Kentucky, huh? To Eastern there, Kentucky. Listen, we're breaking, we might be breaking, we might be the first ones to break this open. If it's true. If it's bullshit, then, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, big if true. Big if true. Big, this is a big if true. But the rumor is if Trump loses the election in November, he has 
purchased a $25 million farm in Madison County, Kentucky, where he intends to make a run for governor. <laughs> there are so many holes in this story, Tom. There are many holes in this story, but... Uh, but I love it, nonetheless. As a hypothetical, I'm all in. Number one of which, you don't think there's a $25 million absolutely farm in Madison not. County? There's absolutely... The well, entire, you, all of Madison County is not worth $25 million. Every well, what, square inch of the entire county. Well, what you're forgetting is that Trump is like largely a paper tiger, and so like he, he probably, if there is truth to this, he probably bought like a five million dollar farm and it's leaking it that it was 25 million okay <laughs> now that i that i would believe even five million is a stretch honestly that's about the high end though you can see that yeah well it, that would have to be about a million acres <laughs> i don't know it's like <laughs> <laughs> dollar an acre is about what it's going for right there. yeah what's your source on this rex chapman rex chapman <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rex, uh, you know, sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, but I hope he's right on this one. You hope you hope Trump's moving to Kentucky? No, I don't want him to, but if he has already, if the wheels are already in motion, I hope that we're, one, the first to break this story, and two, get a lot of good content out of what's soon to be a miserable thing for all of us. <laughs> I don't know, though. Let's talk about a Trump governorship gubernatorial administration. Well, as I went on record in the group chat earlier, if his primary run is on the his fail son, Matt Bevan, if his whole run is, is, is coming to clean up Matt Bevan's mess... <laughs> Matty, he failed me. He's a big loser. <laughs> Did everything we could for him. Nobody liked the guy. <laughs> And then everybody and every motherfucker that voted for that fucking asshole is just like, yeah, I hated the song. Hell yeah, fact him. What a fucking piece of shit. They will. Anything he says, they go along with. So he's like the Pied Piper, but for chuds, he just plays his little flute and takes them into the cave. And or, I mean, surely he wouldn't be so dumb as to run with Bevan as his lieutenant. Me and Maddie, we're back again. <laughs> this is, this is, this is where we. This is, this is how it needed to go, folks. Maddie's not really a number one guy. He's more of a number two guy. Number two guy. <laughs> That's fine. Go along with it. He oh, would, he would. Yeah. He'd love you. Like, yeah, I fucked that up at number one, but I'm doing it at number two. <laughs> yeah. God yeah. damn it. Well. You know, I was thinking about this too, though. It's because you know we were talking last week about the revelation that. Trump's McDonald's order that he eats every day is two quarter pounders with cheese, two filet of fish sandwiches, two large fries. There's no mil- way. A milkshake and an apple pie. You 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 doubt that? <laughs> look at the guy. That's so much. <laughs> Does that look like the face of a man that's not taking in eight thousand milligrams of sodium per meal? <laughs> so the Travis Scott special is the first celebrity wouldn't even touch partnership wouldn't even touch the surface is the second uh celebrity mcdonald's meal gonna be what you just listed as the, no, tra- well, as the presidential combo you're you're forgetting that trump was in mcdonald's ads in the early 2000s and late 90s he i don't was there think before. i forgot it i don't think i ever knew <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want to know <laughs> i did not know but imagine that if, like, Trump, he leaves office and, like, McDonald's does this presidential campaign where, like, Trump's walking into McDonald's and all the employees are, like, playing hell to the chief and all this stuff. <laughs> and he steps up, he orders two quarter pounders, two filet of fish, two large fries, a milkshake, and an apple pie. Oh, my God. He knocks that out. And then it's, like, for a limited time only, you can get six sandwiches and nine million fries for eight dollars <laughs> all for the price of nine dollars and eleven cents right no. you know i love the numerology <laughs> <laughs> it is it is kind of funny though that like he's got the quarter like i know plenty of big boys that have like a big mcdonald's order you know what i mean right 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 but what's funny is he throws in like the most arcane sandwich this side of the McRib in two of them. <laughs> the 
fish. fish <laughs> have you ever fish? known anybody that ordered a goddamn fillet of fish from McDonald's? My mamma, she loved it. Loved well, a fillet of fish. Well, in Eastern Kentucky, though, it's like you only get the fillet of fish if you don't have a Long John Silver's in town. Yeah, we didn't. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But isn't that strange? Yeah, I, I guess it's... someone with all the options getting choosing a McDonald's fillet of fish. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. I can't stomach it. I he think... he got the White House chef to knock off McDonald's fries and quarter pounders so he could like because he was worried about getting poisoned by like Out a by like a McDonald's employee. I guess so. Yeah, but it's like how would they? How the fuck would they know it was for Trump? I'm sure he motherfucker doesn't roll through the drive through himself. No, he can't drive. I don't think. Right. I don't know. <clears throat> So. I'm pretty sure he can't. Wait, he don't drive? He can't drive? I don't think so. Wow. It's just been like, they've been carting him around his whole life. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's funny. When I worked for the Clinton Foundation, they used to do this thing whenever Clinton would like go out to eat somewhere. They would have like a caravan of these big black vans. Which, first of all, this makes no goddamn sense whatsoever because if you're looking to fly under the radar or like you know, confused would-be assassins about, like, the president's, like, <laughs> whereabouts. Like, why start, like, a high... Basically what amounts to a high-speed, like, jaunt to, like, a fucking Wendy's or something. It's got six black vans. And they, I was like, why do you have, like, so many vans? And they're like, well, you know, in case somebody's looking to kill the president, like, they'll never know which one he's in if there's, like, six of them. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Whereas if yeah. there's one, they could, like reasonably like you know peck him off or whatever if they thought that was him but my question is like this is like little rock arkansas 2012 like is anybody <laughs> really scheming to assassinate bill clinton um i'm sure there are people but i'm just saying like on a tuesday night i don't know about that <laughs> but trump i think trump does the same thing but with mcdonald's is they just like don't go to the same store twice you know right right keep you guessing Right. Um, well, okay, so I've got... What I've got for you two gals um, is a journey into the world of deeply diseased liberal edition. This is deeply diseased liberal edition. Okay. And so we're going to be weaving an intricate web here. We're going to be covering three separate topics, all related in some bizarre strange way and they will all be um reminiscent in my opinion you remember when we did that episode about the coffee shop owners in harlan county that we all know and love so much classic <laughs> yes uh episode 143 for those of you who don't who want to go back and listen to that one this is this is very much in the line of that uh in the tradition of that kind of disease so when i say deeply diseased liberal edition i mean very rich people who uh have tried to innovate something and um you know they wind up reinventing slavery or <laughs> they <laughs> um or, or or the you facebook know, by, bucks yes 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 facebook bugs they back reinvented script. scripts yes, back for yes, the first exactly. time <laughs> <laughs> They, they have simultaneously tried to use their wealth and capital in the traditional channels of capital to make the world a better place. And in the process, hijinks have ensued. And so these three stories, in my opinion, fit into the deeply diseased liberal edition. Up first, number one, this comes by way of the New York Times. <clears throat> the headline is, their dream was a working farm, but they weren't farmers. <laughs> Wait, is this are we, are we? Is this App Harvest again? It is kind of similar. Is it? Is it? Way. Is it Donald and Melania Trump? <laughs> <laughs> but they did have twenty-five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll just start reading here. Claire Coe and Eugene Kwok didn't want a woodland cabin or beach house as their weekend getaway from Manhattan. They dreamed of living on a working farm. 
Never mind that neither had any experience farming. After years of shopping at the Union Square Green Market, they had become increasingly curious about where their food came from. We experienced this great interest in being able to consume produce from the local Hudson Valley area, said Mrs. Coe. Miss Coe, 38. The chief people pull, pump, the chief people officer at a cheese company. <laughs> chief, wait, chief people officer? She's a people person, I suppose. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know what a people officer is. CPO. CPO. Um, to take that interest a step further, Mr. Kwok Forty, an architect and assistant professor at Farmingdale State College on Long Island, began fantasizing. Why not buy some land, give much of it to a young farmer, and build a two-family house where they could all live together? He came up with a name for his project. Oh, God. To- Orgy? Together. <laughs> hmm. It's uh, to gather. It's like together, but to gather. Did they take Um, the vowels out? You got to take the vowels out for it to be a true liberal upstart venture. (laughs) Add an X. It's like two. Add an X in there. Yeah. Two T G H R X. And it's it's (laughs) together. I see that. (laughs) Completely incomprehensible, but yeah. Um, he was no expert on rural living either, but he wasn't about to let that stop him. <laughs> <laughs> Who is, wanna, really? Who among us? Nothing said, you can I, prepare you for. It. He said, living in the city and being exposed to the culinary scene, I was just naturally drawn to food systems and looking at upstream where the production happens. I wanted to combine food systems with my design abilities and try to create something that was innovative. So he embarked on a two-year crash course in farming. Um, while conducting an exhaustive real estate search. Blah, blah, blah. After considering various properties within a two-hour drive of New York, they settled on a uh, dairy former dairy farm. They bought it for 175000 in March 2018. Um, and the family that they set up on the farm was this woman named Melissa Phillips and Jack Wedham. Wedham. They are a couple, and they have a daughter, and so the couple have um, moved on to this farm and have started farming it for these rich people. Um, and apparently they've sunk all of their savings into it and are about to go broke. The, 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 the tenant farmers. So, so if you haven't started picking up a, a, at this point about what I'm describing, what I'm describing was actually very popular in the South right after uh, slavery and Reconstruction. It was called tenant farming. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, they, they just think they invented this, didn't they? Back again for the first time. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and so this, you know, this has come. This comes from the New Republic, who uh, wrote about it. The author is Nick Martin. <clears throat> he wrote, "If this sounds familiar, it is." <laughs> the correct <laughs> um, term for what the couple invented is tenant farming. It's a practice that has been around for centuries, and America tenant farming is inextricably tied to the Jim Crow South. <laughs> Um, What'd be funny is if the guy that came this and says, "Listen, I was just sitting at home thinking about, damn, if I ever started a farm, what would I do?" And then I was just turn the TV on, and there was this old Disney cartoon with this like crow family of crows that were like sitting (laughs) on like a picket fence and talking in a very caricaturish way. And and then, and then, and then that's when it hit me. Like he saw an old racist cartoon. Yeah, yeah. I think that cartoon's actually called Jim Crow. Oh my god. Uh, Oh god. Oh man. Um. Well, anyways, yes. So they got these two farmers to (laughs) move onto their farm and farm it for them. And like I said, they've apparently sunk all their money into it because they're still charging these farmers for rent. They knocked the rent down gracefully to I think eleven hundred a month or something like that. Twelve hundred a month. Um, but they still have to pay rent and farm all of the. It's very futile, <laughs> but they have to farm it all with their own like implements <laughs> and kick up the surplus. <laughs> I love liberals rock, man. It's like that's just like the ultimate in like horseshoe shit. You know what I mean? It's like, oh man, they like they're like innovating themselves back into systems of subjugation. Truly, <laughs> yes. Have these people not heard of woofing? <laughs> 
Oh my god. Even woofing, though, is more straightforward. Exactly. It's like free. You live there for free. They provide you with all of your living amenities for you to, like, learn to work the farm or whatever the fuck. I mean, even that's pretty bullshit, but... They're they're charging people double what I pay a month for a three bedroom house. Oh my! Yeah, I mean the people who have to farm this have to invest all their own money into it. And so what they said is, you've got to dig a well, then you've got to get the water <laughs> from the well to the crops. Oh my um, god, dude! A lot, they 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 said a lot of our investment went into improving the soil and bringing in compost and other soil amendments. So like, the people who They've they just got been to- moving dirt around. Exactly, dirt and manure, probably. Um, it's a pretty quite the shit pile they've created for themselves. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty interesting, right? Um, I wonder what they thought when this article came out. Do you think the New Republic prepared them <laughs> for, for uh, blasting them for recreating tenant farming? <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, if I had to, if I had to guess, they're probably reacting the exact same way our benevolent coffee shop owners reacted, just digging oh. their heels in. <clears throat> Blog forthcoming. Deeply, Blog forthcoming. <laughs> deeply diseased is always so much better when it's liberals doing it. Yeah, I agree. Like, like when, when, it's, when it's Republicans doing it, it's just like typical it's, rich asshole shit. You know and it's I mean? sadder. It's like. Yeah, no, it's like wiping your ass with, like, gold bars. Like, that's Deeply Diseased Conservative Edition. Deeply Diseased Liberal Edition is, re- yes, re-innovating. Asking someone re-innovating else to do feudal, it. feudal, feudal relations from, like, the 1400s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. They're going to, yeah, the, before long, they will have re-innovated, like, absolutism monarchy. They'll be like, we got this new form of government. It's great. There's a king and a queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God damn it, man! It's um, like we we talked about doing a year zero about development arrested, and I just want to like send a copy to this guy and be like, "Man, you got a lot in common with some of these guys. It's weird." Yeah, yeah. Um, well, in their minds, though, they're making the world a better place, you know, and that's what makes it so fascinating. Liberals cannot just do <clears throat> do their own fucking thing without putting some trying to convince other people that it's for a common good yeah like just move if you want to farm just move to a fucking farm and shut the fuck up about it <laughs> liberals yeah, like- cannot they literally cannot have like i mean we, we've saw this like tenfold in the last six months either covid or the uprising it's literally just liberals like oh my god i'm making this great t-shirt and you know, sixty nine percent of the proceeds are going to go to um, something that has the word black in it. Uh huh. <laughs> We're going to put Brianna Taylor's face on a t shirt and give her family like a penny on every shirt we make. Or right. That kind of shit. Right. <clears throat> exactly. You know, it's um, it's it's what I the one message I just want to broadcast to to liberals and and not a few leftists is everything doesn't have to be a project. Like a political project. Not, not everything has to have some sort of broader implication for the cause of socialism, or in the case of liberals, the whatever you all do. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's, that's, that's how we become a subculture. And this is a, coming from a man that got out of the primordial ooze of contemporary, a brief dalliance with contemporary Christianity. <laughs> so take it from me, saying. man. I've been there. Uh, yeah, I see. What you, I, I, I agree. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> do what? So, if you want to farm and farm with somebody under, uh, you know, dehumanized and under subjugation, just do that. You know what I mean? Don't. <laughs> you don't. don't you don't. It up. You, you don't have to Uber that. You know what I mean? You don't have to to DoorDash that or Instacart that. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Um. Well, it does get at something that I think is very fascinating, and what I what I think our next story really digs into. Which is that there are class antagonisms among, let's say, the top 5%, maybe. If you want to be generous, maybe let's say the top 10%. Um, and, and people in those upper classes um, have their, can have their own sort of idiosyncratic politics and their own vision about how to change the world. But it's weird. There's an ecosystem, right? There's like the billionaires at the top, and then there's the millionaires. 
And then there's the, you know, half millionaires. You know what I mean? Like people who are just <laughs> exorbitantly wealthy. It's And then there's, and, you know, and they're a small part of American society. And then there's the vast majority of us, the rest of us who just don't make any money. Yeah. And, um, but these people do have sort of class antagonisms amongst one another. And I think that that's fascinating. And, you know, before I move on to the next story, the reason I pulled out that story was because it's so reminiscent of shit you see all the time living here because of the whole food systems tie-in thing you know yeah and and for that reason it it looks a lot like app harvest in some ways yeah Yeah. um so the next story i wanted to highlight and this one made the rounds um about a month ago or uh maybe a few weeks ago my sense of time has been become warped but this one is comes by way of The Cut, uh, which is, I believe, run by New York Magazine. The headline is, The Eco-Yogi Slumlords of Brooklyn. (laughs) How did a couple who built an empire of yoga studios in homes with living walls end up as pandemic villains? So, this story opens up with these two people. They are, their names are Gennaro Brooks Church and Loretta Gindville. They uh, own several re- retail stores in like Northwest Brooklyn, <clears throat> uh, like yoga uh, supplies, and and she has her own yoga well, studios and stuff like that. Like they run these businesses, or they just own the buildings? Uh, they 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 run the businesses in this in a loose sense. Does that okay. make sense? Like they yeah. own the businesses, but they have people run the stores oh, okay. for them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So this story opens up with them. At the beginning of the pandemic, in early July, going to one of their properties at 1214 Dean Street and attempting to move in to that property because the pandemic essentially had cut off all of their revenue sources um, from their retail stores and from their yoga studios because, you know, everything was still in lockdown at this time. And so they, they apparently couldn't, like, I guess they had, like, several million dollars locked up in assets but because of the recession they weren't able to access any of that so they had to move into one of their rental properties and so the story opens with them attempting to move in to uh, one of their rental properties where about 10 tenants lived Um, one of those tenants had recently just had brain surgery to remove a massive tumors and um, they kicked her out uh, they they had absolutely no sympathy for her. Um, God damn. And they what? Attempt- Why? Are- they attempted to kick everybody out of this. Because um, they just wanted to live in the building empty? Yes. I, I can just read here if you want. Um, Gennaro Brooks Church and his ex-partner, Loretta Ginville. So they had broken up before this, but they were still trying to move in together. They tried to move into the uh, f- the apartment with their three children two dogs two handymen and a mattress um (laughs) they loved how that sounded um they called the cops to like try to get the tenants out i guess the cops showed up they were like there's really nothing we could do and the kids just moved in um one of the tenants describes seeing the kids sitting around eating popsicles and i kind of had the image of like the two children in the shining (laughs) <laughs> or, or like the two little Damien Omen children just walking around this place eating popsicles. <laughs> just staring at people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let me go through let me go through their sort of like rent their sort of empire, their business empire. Um so uh, Ginville started a yoga studio and a retail store called Area Yoga and Baby um back in the late two thousands. They got in on the ground floor of the gentrification surge after the recession of like Northwest Brooklyn. So they were like gold mining, you know, frontiersmen essentially, right? Yeah. Spe- prospectors, speculators out on the front lines. Yeah, and they dressed the part probably too. <laughs> yes, they absolutely did. If I know anything about Brooklyn. <laughs> um by 2008, they had two homes. Um, by 2012, they had nine stores, two yoga studios, a spa, and a salon. Um, I want to read this for you real quick, this uh, little 
excerpt from how she treated her employees, which I thought was very fascinating. So apparently she used to try to essentially pay her employees in what are what she called karma hours. Oh. <laughs> oh. Basically Bro. have Hold on a second. I need a second after that. Oh, Um, yeah. Yes, essentially have them work for free, but they would accrue karma hours. You know what I'm saying? Not to be confused with comp time. Uh, Listen, here's the thing about that. Here's the thing about that woo-woo shit. That woo-woo shit is basically the, the, the... religion of gentrification now like if you really want to get into some like transcendental meditation and some like real like eastern meditation like new agey shit like you can't like you have to go to like a fucking and you shouldn't do this but like you you gotta go like (laughs) see like a guy in nepal or something you know what i mean (laughs) well it's like twitter jack it's like what he did you know i mean like or joe rogan all these rich guys do this you know at a certain point yeah, um, our, very own, uh, our very own, our JB. very own cryptocurrency, right? That 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 same retreat that Jack was at, that woman got bit by the rabid dog and died from rabies. Remember? That? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. What? Uh, Jack was stoic. Yeah, Jack. Um, could, that could have been Jack. Ginville, uh, like I said, she, you know, and then I'll get to her, her partner here in a second but by 2009 uh, they owned nearly three million dollars in property 2017 they had 14 area stores um but uh, I th- one thing i found really fascinating and this is kind of what i was getting at earlier when i said there's class antagonisms within this class in 2015 ginville somewhat notoriously put up a bernie sanders poster in one of her stores a few months after hillary clinton had visited the location she said Hillary Clinton is, you know, more in the game with all of the corporations, which I'm against. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, it's very fat. I mean, I think that this is a fundamental aspect or a fundamental dimension to understanding these people in the way they think. They really do think by using their wealth and their capital and influence, they can make a more sort of just society. You know what I'm saying? And so they, that's why... They, they act like they're exempted from like the basic tenets of Marxism. You know what I mean? Or something. Not even really the basic tenets of Marxism. That's not even really the right way to say that. But like by virtue of they've accumulated a fortune and have like a level of like sort of enlightenment that you should take note of that they're not like... They're not the bad small business. They're not the petty tyrants. You know what I mean? No, you're exactly right. What they are is they're people who made it. The system worked out for them, and therefore they altruistically decide, well, the system needs to work out for more people. And so the path that they take to get there becomes very, like I said, hijinks ensue. They reinvent tenant farming. They become (laughs) eco-yogi slumlords. Yeah. uh, Company script back for the first time. It's called karma hours. Um, well, I mean, what do you even get for karma hours? It's, Free yoga it's like, classes? It's like the company store, but when you go to the company store, all you can buy is like Nog Champa. Oh my God. <laughs> Nog Champa and Christmas. It's like um, really all you need, man, if you think about it. <laughs> no, let me read from this. On the surface, they catered to the upper crunchy crust of Brooklyn, hawking imported wooden toys, prenatal yoga classes, and rooftop gardens to gentrifiers with money to burn. But it was, quote, yoga on the outside, pure capitalism on the inside, as one former area employee put it. Behind the scenes, Ginville and Brooks Church were exploiting the city's growing underclass for a short-term reliable cash flow. Employees working without benefits and tenants paying up to $1,000 each for a single room in an illegal conversion apartment. By this year, it appears the landlords were pulling in nearly $10,000 a month at that one property alone that they tried to move back into. I mean, this guy, this guy is very strange. He believes in something called human design. He's an adherent of human design, a pseudoscience combining astrology with chakras, and was created on uh, Ibiza in 1922 by an advertising executive named Alan Krakauer, who claimed to have received messages on the meaning of life from an entity called The Voice. Um, he, 
he tr- he became Seems known. Legit. He became known for his like sort of eco adornments of his apartment. Listen to this. Listen to what he tried to do to to the <clears throat> apartment he lived in. He built he built a freshwater pond and a tree house. And in 2011, he tried to build a literal man cave under his front yard. <laughs> Wait, did, did he you call say, it? Did he call it that? Did you say man cave? I did. I said man cave. <laughs> The did, did he get into paleo and want to take it to the next level and like live as the cavemen lived? I mean, I think it's funny. It's like Plato's allegory of the cave, but set in 2017 in gentrifying Northwest Brooklyn. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, 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 and instead of not being able to see the platonic forms, the Department of Buildings just comes by and shuts your shit down. <laughs> Which is what happened. The Department of Buildings had to come by and shut his man cave down. <clears throat> It's not not up to code. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so as I was saying, um, you know that their working conditions weren't so great. Uh, they were trying to kick their tenants out and move in during the pandemic. They broke up at a certain point because Ginville, the wife, started fucking like her pool boy essentially, and then they got into a hot, steamy relationship. Um, and now apparently they're coronavirus truthers or skeptics. So <laughs> they're completely unrepentant about trying to kick their tenants out at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, they've dug in their heels. They've done exactly what our coffee shop owner friends did. Um, mm. They have completely denied any wrongdoing. And believe it or not, it comes full circle back to just being a reactionary. They're basically uh, the Falwells. <laughs> we missed talking about that story. That's that was a big blunder. We on did, our part, but yeah, and that was really our uh, bread and butter too. The moment's gone. Whatever. Maybe another time. I yeah. must have missed it. Um. So, all right. So the third item I have here. Any more? Any final words on the eco yogi farmer slumlords or the? <laughs> Tenant farmer <laughs> to gathers. To gathers. Uh, yeah, I ain't got nothing else on that. <laughs> I think it's, we've pretty much said all that can be said. Okay, well, then the third thing I have here. So we've spent the last two stories, you know, on this terrestrial plane, on this rock we call Earth. Let's uh, get in our SpaceX spaceships and blast the fuck off. <laughs> We're going to Mars, bitches. Hell yeah, baby. So this story is in CNN. It came out this week, or last week, I'm sorry. Elon Musk, uh, or colonizing Mars could be dangerous and ridiculously expensive. Elon Musk wants to do it anyways. <laughs> ridiculous and dangerously expensive are his middle name. <laughs> Everything the guy's ever done that's except PayPal is like being just dumb and ridiculous. A scam. He's a he's a scam artist. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, but I do think this is an interesting story because it does plug in, and you know, I they pointed this out in that New Republic article I was talking about. It does plug into the same sort of liberal impulses. You have this big innovative idea for making the world better that does not include making people's material lives better, making a more egalitarian and just society, but rather holding bright, shiny objects in front of people's faces and saying, look, a better world is just right ahead. We just have to use science and technology and innovation to get there. And this, to me, this story fits right in, in with it. Um, so, you know, just to cover the basics up front, Elon Musk has spent nearly two decades rallying SpaceX fans around his goal of colonizing Mars, something world governments aren't currently attempting, in part because of the unfathomable price tag such a mission will entail. Musk, the company's CEO and chief engineer, refers to his interplanetary ambitions more like a sci-fi protagonist with a moral calling than an entrepreneur with a disruptive business plan. If there's something terrible that happens on Earth, either made by humans or natural, we want to have, like, life insurance for life as a whole, Musk said during a virtual Mars conference on August 31st. Then there's the kind of excitement and adventure. 
SpaceX's plans for a red planet settlement bring up numerous technological, political, and ethical questions. One of the most challenging hurdles may also be financial. Not even Musk has ventured to guess an all-in cost estimate. So the, the, the rub here, the thing that Musk has to figure out is how to make it lucrative, essentially. How to, how to, how to basically not lose tons of money in the process. And he started to take some ideas from this uh, other guy, this writer. He, his, he wrote a book called The Case for Mars. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> that man. Yes, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Gene that Roddenberry. Man, <laughs> <laughs> Gene Roddenberry would be fine. Yeah, Gene I Roddenberry. Love... Yeah. No, instead, he started taking ideas from this man named Robert Zubrin, who wrote a book called The Case for Mars in 1966. And this is what he has to say about how Mars could be colonized. <laughs> to look towards a potential future of humanity, Zubrin looks to its past. Just as the labor shortage prevalent in colonial and 19th century America drove the creation of Yankee ingenuity's flood of inventions, so the conditions of extreme labor shortage will tend to drive Martian ingenuity. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me get this straight. Let me Lord get this. Uh, what what I think you're telling me is that we're going to carpet bag Mars <laughs> and subjugate people on Mars. I think what I think what you have to go even further back in the historical record, Tom. I think what he's saying is we have to enslave people and send them. That's to what Mars. I'm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I shouldn't dance around that. We what we have to do is have have some like new Martian. What would you call an American Mar uh, Earth Martian slave? Ah, man, that is. <laughs> there are no new ideas under the sun. Oh, it's like this... okay, okay, we can't afford. To... Okay, we're going to colonize Mars, but look, we don't have time to figure out a new egalitarian way to do it. What we have to do is just stick with the blueprint we've always mm -hmm. done. Some people are going to get hurt along the way. Whatever you know, we can work those problems out as they arise. I mean, it, it does, again, it offers you a very interesting psychological profile of these people because it shows you that, exactly, instead of making the world more egalitarian, it's like, let's just dig in and revive older forms of hierarchical domination and exploitation. Like, why not just revive slavery? Fuck it. Why not? Like, All because Elon Musk has a goal of dying on Mars. He wants to get to Mars in his lifetime. So the way to do that is through system of domination, subjugation, slavery. See, it's literally, pre in pressing people into chattel slavery, selling them, selling their kids from them, <laughs> being like, look, you may not like it, but at least you'll be the first generation to die on Mars. Lord so. have mercy. That's, ki that? that's kind of cool, right? That's kind of <laughs> cool, right? <laughs> I, I'm imagining a like a... Uh, Appalachian job retraining program where we have to like we've tried everything on Mars and then the powers that be say this they say well it's clear these degenerates only know how to do one thing and that's dig rocks so we're going to send them to Mars as part of the call it job recreate to dig Mar rare, rare Mars Martian minerals to power this fucking outfit this is the future yeah um, rinse, wash, repeat, man. We just keep doing the same thing. Yeah, it's coding or mine Mars, bitch. No, he literally says this. CNN Business interviewed this guy, Robert Zubrin. He said, um, Zubrin stood by those ideas, argu arguing American colonization has worked. He harkens back to the colonization of North America as an example of how would-be Mars colonists might fund their trip, either by liquidating their earthly possessions to fund the trip or by indentured servitude. If you say, okay, you want to go to Mars, you're going to want to offer something. If you look at colonial America, a middle-class person could travel to America by liquidating their farm, but the proceeds would give them a one-way ticket. But if you are working, what you could do is sell your labor for seven years. <laughs> Why not? Hey, except it's, it's fucking Mars. It's going to be way longer than seven years. You won't come back. You will Dude, not come like, back. That's the funny thing is you're stuck there if they want to keep you longer. There's no, like, yeah, like, yeah, there's nothing. Oh, my he says, God. 
if somebody says, but won't there be exploitation there? Well, sure. That's what people do to each other all the time. <laughs> like this, these are the oh ideas. Oh, my God. These are the ideas. And again, you can church it up in all the liberal veneer that you want, but to actually accomplish the things that you're that you have set out to do to preserve your own class status requires a great deal of exploitation. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's just it. God damn, man. That is so funny. Back, back for the first time. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Well, so anyways, that's um those are my three stories of the deeply diseased liberal edition i hope that um i'm sure wherever you live in america it probably reminds you somewhat of your own situation with gentrifiers with eco yogi slumlords um <laughs> with people who say they they want to make you the world a better place by paying you six dollars an hour and working you 70 hours a week um, yeah maybe just don't <clears throat> yeah no these people are in my opinion, as things start to heat up, because obviously that's just what's going on now with wildfires, hurricanes, violence in the streets. Like, like, like literal plague. heating up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literal and metaphorical, figurative. Yeah. These are the best targets for your outrage and anger. I mean, in my opinion. Um, because they they occupy that like sort of strata just you know between the working people. I mean, like they're they're business owners, obviously. They're capitalists. But they see themselves as not being as detached as the billionaires, you know what I mean? They see themselves right. as caring about people's actual circumstances and being able to work with people. Right. But but they don't understand that they are so far divorced from the real world that in some cases they reinvent tenants farming and in other cases they want to get off the world entirely. And and so I don't know. That's why I say these people are the best targets for your outrage. <laughs> um, I hate him so much. And he's, I, he's not wrong in thinking that people want to escape this planet. Mm -hmm. That part is correct. I will I will give him that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is. Um, the, the thing about Musk that just annoys me so much is he's like the guy that's like he can't even when he loses he can't lose like he's beyond failure like Donald Trump in a lot of ways because yeah. he's established this cult around himself like if you really want to be infallible in life you first must d create a cult for yourself mm -hmm. you're right and I don't know man that's so fucking did you see this week he said that um <laughs> he said the uh, answer to traffic is just to dig as many tunnels as we want. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> you, oh, can yeah. go, you can go much deeper with tunnels than you can over skyscrapers. As many as you want. All the tunnels you want. You can oh, literally mine into the Earth's core as far as you want <laughs> without issue. They are, Nothing bad can happen. He's going to be proposing that. He literally took, you know, growing up, you're like, if you dig through the earth, you wind up in China. He will be proposing <laughs> that too. Like, we're just, we're going to bore all the way through the earth till we get to China. And then you can just get to China within like three hours. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. And then you pop up on China and there's all these racist caricatures, like just like the cartoons. God Quote unquote China. Oh, oh fuck well uh that's about all i've got for the week that was your deeply diseased liberal edition um is elon any... musk even liberal does he claim that he says he's a know. socialist oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he does oh fuck but he that's right. but he talks mad shit about marx um yeah. especially yeah i don't i don't know he's a he's a complete a complete moron. Absolutely moronical. He even had... I mean, you're right about this cult. He even had one of his um, employees talking about what a great job Tesla is this week on the timeline. Knowing damn well that tes the Tesla factories have like 1940s death rates. Like 1940s um, like 
factory yeah. uh, death rights, injury rights for workers. <clears throat> yeah, it's not safe. It really isn't. And that's why, the, I mean, the whole thing is, it's a scam, obviously, but um, it's also a, a death factory. Yeah, it's like it's like the um, LuLaRoe of automobiles or something. <laughs> it's almost pyramid scheme like, and it's like you get this like okay, it's cool, kind of cool looking, but you get this like finicky car with all these bugs that like you know might spontaneously combust on you or something out of nowhere. But like you get the Elon Musk, Steve Jobs sort of futuristic cool of it all, man. What it is is it's like. So I can see, <laughs> I know how they're going to do this colonization scheme. <clears throat> they're going to start going to every town and going to like the poorest neighborhoods and being like, hey, you want to take a ride in a Tesla? And they put you in the Tesla and then all the doors lock. And then, um, you know, the the computer screen on the dashboard comes on. It's like, hello, citizen 89357. Oh, and then um, welcome to your new uh, life or something like that. And then, you know, rockets grow out of the side of it and it fucking flies you up to the the space colony on Mar- on the moon which then takes you to Mars. You're trapped then. I mean <laughs> and then you, you keep hitting the take me back home button and it says it just says in this like very regal British accent. Now why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> you can go home when you want to, of course. Let me go home. Now, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Your new home is the Red Planet. (laughs) You're a Martian now. (laughs) That might be be what they're angling at here. Um, Well, anyways, uh, that about covers it this week, right? Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we could. I thought Tom might have a Kanye take to share, but... They probably all. Oh, I, I, I do. I do have just one. Did y'all see that hilarious Rick Fox tweet? No. He was like, uh, "I my, did." My friend at Kanye West just wants everybody to know that he's been banned from Twitter for twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Michelle um, yelled to me from another room yesterday. Damn, did you see Kanye just tweeted all of his contracts? <laughs> And she don't even get on Twitter. I don't even know. Like it must have been a headline. I was just like, "What?" Yeah, he took that picture of he put his like Grammy in the pissy toilet. I saw that he's pissing on his Grammy. I love that was my fave actually. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> he's got the world's biggest TV this week. He had a big week. He lost his mind on Twitter again, and he had the world's biggest TV. He's got a hundred foot tall TV. Is that true? Wow. It's custom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't just go to Target and say, give me the 100-footer. <laughs> Speaking of Target, this week there was a mask-off parade through a Target. White people storming through Target. Did you see that? I saw that. Oh, I did it was yeah. a yelling, literal Yelling parade. at everybody to take their masks yeah. off. Yeah, take them off. Take- Liberate yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Pull out your mercury fillings, children! I implore you. I did have a, I did have like sort of a um, dark thought this morning. I was um, uh, driving around this morning. I was thinking, man, do you think there's like some like sort of like anti-mask like cop dickhead that like has given somebody the coronavirus by like making them take their mask off at a traffic stop and like got getting in their face and shit. And oh, you know, like, you know, it absolutely. Has. absolutely. Or some like reactionary judge that refuses to let people wear masks in their courtroom and they got sick because of it or something like that. I yeah. W- I watched a video this week. It was a cop cam. So, you know, whatever, but it was this cop got a noise complaint in some fucking, I don't remember where it was, but some college town and went to, a house full of dudes and they it was in the middle of the day and they had like 20 people in the house they were having a party middle of the fucking day and no one had mask on of course and the guy's like listen there's a mandate like you can't have more this many people together 
like what are you all doing he was like oh yeah they were just stopping by they're leaving and he keeps he keeps <laughs> 20 of my rowdy friends <laughs> yeah they were just they were going somewhere else and then he keeps like talk he keeps talking to them and they admit they've all tested positive for covid it was a, not all everyone in the party, but all the people who live there. There's like five dudes that live there. And he was like, this is what happened. The, the cop asked for his ID and he goes and runs his ID and he comes back and he's like, man, I've never seen this before, but this has you flagged as uh, positive for COVID. Like on his ID, it was connected to his ID. And he was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I tested positive a couple days ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was, uh, and the, even the cop was like, what <laughs> and he's like yeah we all have it and this is like news to their like 20 buddies in the house they're yeah like, and they're all standing on the porch just kind of looking around and the cop visible you know if the cop came so he starts stepping backwards, <laughs> even, the cop is like, backwards. <laughs> even the cop is like what are what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> That's awesome. So then like 10 They're people will come out of the house and just go down the street. And the cop's like, I think all of you need to get tested. <laughs> all of you that are leaving this house need to go immediately to be tested. <laughs> was this like on a college campus or something? Yes, it was a college. Because he kept saying, you know, uh, he's like, I can cite you. But the real problem here is going to be the college. The college is going to come down on you for this. La, la, la. Well, this is the thing that fucking kills me so much about schools being back. Because like when you're that age... I mean, when you think you're invincible when you you're feel that. Bullet, yeah, you feel bullet. Dude, yeah, exactly. I was, I was like when the like the swine flu was like ravaging my campus. Like I was out partying and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean th- it was inconceivable that they were going to be able to control this on college campuses. Like, yeah, I mean, it comes back to the condom issue. If you can't get somebody to wear a condom, come on. You think they're going to wear a mask on their face all day? Please. <laughs> I like condom for three minutes. Tanya, it's too hot to wear a condom. <laughs> I've health issues. I can't. I've health issues. I can't disclose that I can't wear this condom. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got. You know, like the mask. It's like there's like two health issues that like you shouldn't wear a mask. I'm saying, yep. Those. I've got two health issues. I can't wear a condom. <laughs> the doctor says the cum goes back in there and it gets clogged up. And- <laughs> I can't, I can't a, do that. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing, apparently. You don't want to hear about it. You don't want to hear about it. Slay back. I'm boring you. I'm boring you with the details now, but we're doing this. <laughs> if Tom has never said that during sex, I will buy you a McDonald's fish full. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm bored you with the details. It's just, are we doing this or what? I love that, that rapper, BFB Pac-Man. It's two best lines. It's too hot to wear a condom. And I die before I put my dick in plastic. <laughs> Jesus, man. Fuck. I gotta go. That's my sign off. All right. Do you, um, Tanya, you want to plug your Patreon? Yeah, I got a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Haint T H A I N T T. Check it Great. out. It's Maybin this weekend. I got a big collab drop coming. Nice. Um, go, go check that out. Go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Party, and listen to that. And um, also, earlier this week, I dropped an interview for the Year Zero series. So if you've had that in your queue and you don't have anything to do, uh, don't forget about it. Go listen to that, too. Um, so I, think I didn't do about- anything this week. <laughs> Tom... Tom didn't wear a condom this week. (laughs) But he did wear his mask. (laughs) I always wear my mask. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us, everybody. Go to the Patreons, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.